All right, welcome to the NVCI podcast. Uh, my name is Addison Combs. I'm your host today, and I'm sitting down uh, here with Mark Carpenter. Um, he's our uh, new pre-apprenticeship instructor, and he's going to be teaching the next pre-apprenticeship uh, class down in DuPont. Hi, Mark. How you doing, Addison? Doing well. Um, so I guess uh, since you're you're uh, the new guy here, what's what's uh, give me a background? Uh, so give me some of your background here. What's um, What's your history in the trades? Where where are you coming from? Just the bullet points. Uh, started in uh, 1978 in uh, California, started my apprenticeship, mm-hmm. and uh, did 34 years there. Uh, uh, went to work as an apprenticeship or instructor in 2008, and got my teaching credential and uh, taught uh, general apprenticeship and pre-apprenticeship, and then uh, in 2011. I uh, semi-retired and started my own business and also taught apprenticeship classes uh, intermittently in there. And then I was hired to uh, teach uh, all, an all-female apprenticeship for uh, City of San Francisco. Uh, and I taught uh, all-trades apprenticeship through the National Association of Labor Unions. So a little bit of everything. Yeah, wow. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I guess let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, Back back in the seventies and eighties, when you were when you were an apprentice, um, I guess what was your what was your uh, best learning experience on the job? Uh, I started out building dams and powerhouses uh, at the end of when they built dams and powerhouses in California, and uh, the biggest thing was uh, safety. Uh, that if you take care of yourself, so you can come home and and, and start the the next day and just keep keep going. If you get hurt, then the ball just doesn't keep rolling. Uh, and uh, we had a pretty good safety record and uh, just, uh, you know, just just a lot of stuff. I, we had an ongoing uh, journeyman upgrade system where we had ongoing classes for journeymen where they could uh, up their skills, total station, leadership, all those things. And uh, just the idea that, uh, that lifelong learning all the way through. And then even when I retired, I, I got, I, before I retired, I got my uh, teach credential and just kept rolling with it. And for these other classes that I teach for the city of San Francisco, I've had to go through all through the OSHA stuff again, go to the OSHA Institute. So it's been lifelong learning. Yeah, I, then, I think that, that'd be the thing I'd have to present to the carpenters is that a, a, a when do you stop training as a carpenter? You never do. Right, and there's always there's always new technology coming out. Um, always, uh, the new innovations on the in the field. And then, um, going back to what you said about safety, I feel like, um, from what I've heard with a lot of people, uh, there's there's one level of being safe and meeting those OSHA regulations, and then there's the next one of trying to not be a show off, not do too much or uh, overextend yourself and end up getting yourself hurt. Because then, uh, even if you if you save five minutes, uh, doing something quick, um, you could end up hurting yourself for a day, setting that job behind and setting yourself behind a lot longer than that five minutes. Yeah. I, for day one with the apprentices, I teach them the prime directive, which is to go home at the end of shift with all your fingers and toes prepared to do it again the next day. So if you hurt yourself and even, even a muscle strain that if you hurt yourself and you can't come back the next day and you can't perform to the best of your ability, then you cost yourself and you cost the contractor. So the idea is to go home at the end of shift with the ability to do it again at full performance the next day. Yeah. And then so 
connected to that, what what would you say outside of the the work site and the job site on the job? Um, what what would you say at home or uh, beyond that? Would would you give advice to apprentices or journeymen for for making that making that prime directive of coming back the next day? Taking care of yourself. Always be conscious about how much water you drink, mm-hmm. uh, how you eat. Uh, uh, you know, uh, if uh, controlling your substances. Uh, <laughs> All, yeah. all the above. I, you know, if I had to, one thing I could teach carpenters and, and having been in the bridge industry and, and heavy construction for a long time, those that couldn't control their substances or, or limit what they did are no longer with us. Uh, yeah. and, and to be able to do that and, and control what you do so that you, again, so you can come back the next day is the prime directive. I've seen a lot of people personally affected in my life um, where they have have a, a few good years and then something something happens in their personal lives or in work, they get laid off. Or I've had someone who uh, maybe their personal relationships fall apart and then they they fall into that that pit. And really just getting out of that and getting back set, um, going to work and doing your day to day is really what's needed in that point. Well, you know, I always teach in, in what I do that your work is your sanctuary. It's a place away from all the problems at home, and, and it's a place where you know you're you're away from all that. Everybody is going to go through a point in their life where they have issues at home. I, I certainly have, and and to get through that um, and to share your personal experience as a teacher, if you don't share what you went through, whatever struggle you went through with your students, you're not being real. And so you have to share the difficulties. You have to share the the pluses, the minuses. Uh, what pitfalls you can fall into. And I'm pretty open with them about everything uh, I've went through in my life. It, uh, working construction, you're up at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. You don't get home till seven o'clock at night. And it takes a strong constitution and a lot of support to, uh, to make it through, through that. So we, we talk about that and, you know, life skills, because that's the biggest thing that will stop an apprentice is the life skills, handling the life skills issue. It's a sacrifice to be a construction worker, to be an apprentice is a huge sacrifice. So you have to, you have to cover that. Otherwise they're unprepared. Yeah. And, um, as someone who's been in the, in the trades or was in the trades for 40 or almost 40 years, um, what would you say to, uh, to someone whose partner is going to the trades and and they're going to be experiencing that 4 AM to 7 PM schedule? Um, how would you, how would you help that person support them? Well, yeah, uh, understand, first of all, it's a sacrifice, and but also understand that there's a lot of benefits to it. I mean, uh, for the family health insurance and, and, and all the things that, that are there to benefit, it's a long-term strategy. It's not a short-term. Everybody wants the short fixes, and, and, and to be a spouse of a carpenter is definitely a long-term strategy, whether, you know, whether you're the female spouse or the male spouse, it really doesn't matter. You're uh, the other person has to help hold the fort at home. It's it's a difficult road, but so it is for a policeman. So it is for a lot of other trades. So I think the thing is to think in a long term strategy, and and that uh, that this is a sacrifice. Right, and really um, having those benefits of the the pension, the the health insurance, the the solid wage in in today's economy, um, really it it is a it is a huge benefit, especially if you're trying to raise a family. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing you could tell someone is no pain, no gain. Uh, 
in this, the, the, the carpenter is, is really, uh, you know, uh, making a sacrifice for their family and for the spouse to understand that, that this person's making a huge sacrifice to make sure that the family is okay. And, and that's a hard one to, you know, that's a, um, that's a hard one to sell. And, and, but it's one that's necessary uh, for the stability of the family. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, flipping the page to something uh, a bit more lighthearted and, uh, and yeah. fun. What's your um, what's your all time favorite job site? What's something where you where you got to the job site and you're like, this is exactly why I became a carpenter. Uh, I spent four years working in Yosemite. So uh, there's a, the most photographed spot in Yosemite Sentinel Bridge that shoots right up at Half Dome. And uh, that's I think it's one of the three top photograph spots in the country is that shot from that bridge to Yosemite. And uh, I, I spent a year and a half of my life working on Sentinel Bridge in Yosemite at the Wamona Hotel and, and a lot of historical structures within Yosemite. Um, every time I ever worked up there, it was really hard to leave. The last time when I worked up there, I said I was, you know, I was tearing up when I had to leave Yosemite. Uh, it was uh, the best times of my career working within that park. So, yeah, I, uh, from the from the handrails at Glacier Point, uh, retaining walls at Glacier Point to Sentinel Bridge to the Wolona Hotel. And, and uh, yeah, those are the highlights. What's the logis uh, logistics of working in a in a national park? Because I know you can't you can't really camp out in there um, while you're while you're working for years on end, right? Uh, they actually have a camp, a working camp. Uh, really? Oh. By Curry Village, there is a camp where people who are working in the valley, especially construction projects, they have a, a camp in there. I think I believe it's Camp Four uh, within the park, right by the river. It's a great place. Uh, we have bears every night. It, it was, uh, and we were actually able to put up trailers and, and have a, a place to stay. Um, and it was, uh, it was, a, it was a great place. Yeah. Within the park, uh, there's a several spots within the park where people who work within the park doing short-term projects can stay. That's awesome. I, I had no idea. Um, so could, you can bring your entire family with a, with an RV in there? No, no, it was a workers camp. I mean, we had, uh, workers only. Yeah. Workers only. Yeah, and that, that made it difficult. Now, uh, you know, a couple times my my wife came up and my kids came up and for the day and, and everything. And, uh, uh, you know, I was in a, I actually lived close to Yosemite at the time. Uh, so I was able to commute most of the time. We were working a lot of overtime is the only time I ever stayed there. You know, it was a great place. Yeah, but that's even even still, that's got to be a, a pretty pretty awesome experience, and that's something that um, me personally, I'm I'm a tech guy. I I don't know how I'll ever make this happen, but uh, it's one of my dreams to be able to to work in a national park like that. So, yeah, definitely worthwhile. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, Thank we're gonna take so a lighthearted, by the way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and uh, and tell you about our uh, upcoming um, continuing education classes, and then uh, we'll be back and talk to Mark a bit more. Go online at nwci.org to register for these upcoming continuing education courses for the weekend of September 20th through 22nd. In Mount Vernon, there's a Procore for Superintendents and Site Managers class on Friday and a First Aid CPR class on Saturday. In Kent, Acoustical T-Bar Grid, First Aid CPR, and Basic Drawings and Specifications will all be held on Saturday the 21st. In Kennewick, there will be a Welding and Cutting class on Friday and Saturday as well as construction fall protection course on Saturday the 21st and an aerial lift man lift class on Sunday the 22nd. 
In Spokane, there will be an industrial and rough terrain forklift class on Saturday and Sunday. Log in at nwci.org to browse and register for these and other upcoming continuing education classes. All right, and uh, we're back with Mark. Um, I want to talk a bit about um, the difference that you've seen um, from when you were starting and what early in your career to now. Um, so what's in, in the field, uh, what, what technology do you see uh, making the biggest change? And what, what do you see uh, today that you would never have seen back in the 80s? Oh, yeah, 70s. Uh, the advent of Total Station, uh, bringing computers in, uh, a lot of it in the safety aspect, fall protection. When I first started, I was in the John Wayne era of construction, right when OSHA started to take hold. And uh, just to see that we're wearing harnesses today, we have great fall protection, um, uh, an emphasis on ergonomics. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff about uh, soft tissue injuries, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and as far as technology, like I said, we're using Total Station, um, got into uh, 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 nuclear density machines, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it just it just using lasers, all those things mm-hmm. we wouldn't have thought of when I first started. And, and, and to coming up here and seeing the IT and, you know, not, I'm not saying this because you're here, but just seeing the <laughs> IT up here and seeing the the uh, embracement of uh, technology, it, it's really heartening to see. Yeah, that. yeah, that's something that uh, we're really trying up here to uh, to bring technology into training because it's being more and more of a, a big part in in the trades in the field. Um, every every job site's gonna be moving all of their giant paper prints to. Um, to the computer, to iPads. I know a lot of companies are purchasing all of their uh, their workers, either computers, iPads, or uh, like Surface um, tablets. And so this is something that really technology, uh, sorry, training has to catch up with the technology. Um, right. Something you mentioned and that I, I'm not too familiar with, and I want to see if you can give me a rundown, um, nuclear density. Uh, what is that? Well, it's just a, a compaction machines, checking the compaction and using a, a nuclear density machine just to check them. I did... Uh, uh, quality control on some paving projects and some projects where we were doing compaction and we used uh, they used cadmium beryllium and che- check the time uh, for checking density of earth soil when you compact it and that's just basically what it is so it's, it's called a Troxler machine it's uh, pretty simple actually <laughs> you know yeah that's that's pretty cool um that's something that I like as a as a layman as an IT guy I didn't really think about, um, but I guess it makes sense. You're you're laying down foundations for bridges. You got to know what's underneath it. Yeah, yeah, and and all that's for soil density and stuff. And then they use it for paving and and other things. But uh, it was a great thing to be able to be trained on how to use them. You know, they're and but they're they're very simple. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So, so just another use of technology. So you mentioned that it's pretty simple, but I know a lot of people um, when they're they're doing something for a long time, they really get into into a set uh, like a comfortable rhythm of here's the stuff I'm going to use and here's how it how, here's how it works. And then what happens is there's a new technology thrown in there and they feel like it's just it's too beyond them or there's they're they're intimidated by the learning curve. Um, so I guess how do you tackle that learning curve? How do you look at something that's that seems like a huge monument that you have to climb? And then uh, break it down piece by piece. 
Well, you said it more, most importantly, break it down piece by piece. Uh, that every journey begins with a step, you know, learn one part of the technology and just move on from there and forgive yourself when you don't understand all of the technology. Uh, in my other world that I do, I'm involved in sound and, and that was a good thing. And I, I that, and I always tell the apprentices to try to uh, develop some other interest other than carpentry so that you're more well balanced. And I got involved in sound at a real early age. And so uh, that's constantly involving. So that kind of helped me embrace evolving technology because that's changing so quickly. And, and, and so in a, being able to have a yin and yang helped me understand that technology changed, not to be an analog man in a digital world. Uh, uh, and that's always difficult, you know? Yeah, definitely. That, especially now that that curve of technology is happening so quickly. Like when I walked in here, I was kind of unprepared for just how much uh, this area has evolved and adapted to technology. Uh, it was heartening because uh, uh, in other areas, I really tried to push the envelope to say, hey, look, let's, let's get involved in this. And they've been slow to the to the to this and to walk in there and see how much uh, this area has just embraced it uh, was heartening. Yeah. Yeah. What are you most excited about using in the classroom as far as technology goes? Uh, well, just basically what we're doing, uh, like what we're doing now, having the the FaceTime and, and having that ability to access anything on the cloud, uh, mm-hmm. even though it's a little bit daunting at first, uh, you know, I can see the involve, involvement of it and how much once it's fully adapted, um, it, it'll make a difference in the classroom is that you have access to anything at your fingertips and to be able to do that and, and transfer that information to the students, it's going to help them uh, evolve into using technology more rapidly. It's to me, it's really exciting. I, I think uh, that that's been the most impressive thing. Uh, this training center that you guys got here is just awesome. And then when you're involving technology in it as much as you have, uh, it just is going to increase that flow. Yeah, and really, uh, we've like you mentioned, we got that cloud system. Um, but really, with that, I think the most value that you get out of that is that us as the the technology and education uh, department, we're able to push out uh, new curriculum pretty much constantly. We talk with instructors and we say, "What could you be using in your classroom?" And then um, we get feedback saying, "Like, oh, we're doing this project, and we would love a 3D model." And then within, I'd say a week, we can get all of the the dimensions of all of the pieces. We can get pictures of a completed project and put together a 3D model where you can uh, really look inside of inside of a project. You can uh, click off layers, so you can have basically a concrete uh, form, and then you can uh, have concrete in there. But then you can click off the concrete. You can see what's inside, and then you can uh, click off plywood, for example, and you can see where everything goes. And so really um, the, the ability to basically on the fly, since we have um, week long classes, uh, update the, that curriculum and send it out to the instructors um, over the cloud. And so that next time they go to the, teach that class, they open up that folder and they see something new and they can they can uh, use that new technology in that class that week. Yeah, when, when I first started an apprenticeship, we were using uh, teaching apprenticeship, we were using videos from 19, 1949. So to, to have this adapt so quickly mm-hmm. and and to uh, see this change so 
so quickly is like is is amazing and it's where you need to be because out there it's changing rapidly so uh, for apprenticeship you need to be right there with it as it changes and that's this is awesome that you guys are really at the cutting edge of everything and i'm not saying that because you're here but, yeah you know you you are at the cutting truly at the cutting edge of everything so yeah. I, I kudos to you guys you know it's great to have a new training center but if you had a new training center and uh brought in everything that was old uh and and didn't embrace new technology it wouldn't make sense new building new time new technology yeah definitely it's, yeah it's it's a good thing all right but, uh, on, that, I, on that note i think um we're going to take our uh second break here and then okay. we're going to come back and i want to talk a bit more about uh about your your interest in music and sound and then i'll ask a few other personal questions sure the date for the dupont training center grand opening is set mark your calendars for october 18th come by to tour the building enjoy light refreshments and talk with nwci staff about how they utilize the training center october 18th from 10 a.m to 2 p.m Find more details in RSVP on our Facebook page. All right, and we're back. We're gonna we're gonna talk a bit uh, to Mark here about his um, his personal life and his um, his business that he started after he semi-retired from uh, carpentry. So, really, I want to dive into that. Um, tell me just about what your business was and what you what you're doing with sound there. Well, it, you know, from the beginning of my apprenticeship, even before I got involved in apprenticeship, uh, I'll say it, I was a singer in a rock and roll band. And um, and, and, and there was really a struggle between was I going to embrace apprenticeship or was it going to stick with, because we were, uh, you know, we were successful because we thought it, of music as a business and uh, we were making money at it. So actually the first two years of my apprenticeship, I made more money in music than I made in apprenticeship. And over time, apprenticeship went out because of benefits and because of, you know, stability. And uh, but it's always stuck with me. It's always been something that's been there. And as I got longer in the tooth, I quit performing and, and got more involved in the technology end of mixing sound and, and recording and all that kind of stuff. And and as that went on, uh, we still do that. We do sound for large events. Matter of fact, this weekend, I've got two rodeos going. Why I'm up here, I've got two rodeos in California going with my guys and uh, uh, we embrace digital technology. Uh, we record all digitally, uh, FAT32, uh, you know, we, we embrace all that. So to come up here and see you guys doing this, I've always been someone that's kind of tried to embrace technology and to see this is, is really kind of cool because it fits in with what I do. You know, we mix on right. iPads and, and everything is done remotely on iPads where you can be, you know, 50 yards away from the source and, and do it all on an iPad. So it's, it's, it, it's really a cool factor <laughs> on top of everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been to, I've been to quite a few live events. Um, I actually just went to a rodeo a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you can really tell the difference when, when you've got uh, a good sound guy or a good sound company and they, they know what they're doing and they can make it sound good wherever you're at in the stadium, uh, versus someone who is just going to blow your ears out and, and make you make it so you're hurting for weeks. So really, yeah. what's what's the key there um, as someone who does that? What's what's the key? What's the difference between those two different types of uh, types of sound? Well, we do uh, monitor sends from the from the direct board using a QS. We use a QSC system 
and we have separate monitor sends. So we can control, I can walk around the venue with an iPad, uh, set up a wireless network and walk around the venue with an iPad and, uh, and control different levels in different locations. We can also time align it uh, to make sure that from the source where you're not getting the echo, where you hear something over here and something over on the other side, we can actually time align the sources. There's a, a way to time align it. So that, that helps as well. So being able to time align and being able to control each speaker independently uh, using your iPad is, you know, is priceless. And, and yeah. again, it goes back to the technology here in the classroom. Uh, you know, being able to present that technology and use the technology, um, you can't let technology get in the way of making progress. But at the same time, you have to embrace technology and, 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 and indoctrinate it into the system as it makes sense and, and as it can be productive. And that's, but sometimes you have to go all in and embrace it. When I went digital, I went all in and said, I grabbed the board, hooked it up and said, I'm doing it. It's just going to happen, you know, and sometimes you just have to jump in. You have to go all in. Yeah. Um, so another connection between uh, your, your music career and uh, carpentry, I guess your, your instructing career um, is uh, being on stage either as an instructor or a, as a musician and, um, kind of having that all eyes on you feeling. So do you, did you ever get stage fright um, as an instructor or a musician, or did you ever uh, have to manage a, an angry crowd that wasn't happy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, if you're in a, usually it's in a small club when you've got 10 angry people <laughs> and, <laughs> and you have to be able to diffuse the anger. It, it was really good for crowd psychology, helped out with teaching understanding that one person within a classroom changes the whole psychology of the classroom and understanding that each class separately has its own personality and its own psychology and to be able to adapt to that psychology really quick. It's um, that thing of crowd management and being able to uh, analyze a crowd. Are they angry? Are they friendly? Are they, uh, how do I reach them? Am I boring them? Uh, do I need to switch up? what I'm doing in order to reach them. That's the biggest thing. If you have a group of students and they're yawning and they're done, uh, uh, you know, you have to switch it up. You have to switch up your, uh, uh, your voice inflection. You got to switch up your teaching methodology. Uh, am, I, am I boring them by death by PowerPoint? Do I need to switch up? Uh, do I need to shut off the PowerPoint and just talk? Or do I need to, is it now a good time to go out to the shop? because they're just really done here. I've, I've been in classes where it's death by PowerPoint and the teacher knows it and, and, and they just keep on going uh, with the PowerPoint and not realizing that they've lost their students. You got about 15 minutes at anything before they start. you start to lose them. So you got to switch it up. It's like a baseball player. You got to change up your pitches. I mean, you can have your fastball and your curveball and whatever to reach the students and and you've got to be able to read them and go i've lost them so yeah. it's it's time to time to time to move on here so and and but there's times when you're teaching class class like osha 10 that requires uh you to do 10 hours of osha that's tough and you gotta throw in some personal experiences in there enough uh, to, to reach them. And, and you've got to give it, I'm a big believer in morality plays like a Western. 
um, that you've got to give them some moral lesson within everything to, to reach them, to say this has some relevance to you. All right, so we got uh, one more question here. Um, I know you, you're probably new to the area, is that right? Yeah, my brother lives on Vashon. And honestly, my family, when they came to this country from Ireland, this is where they settled. So, uh, yeah, I'm new to the area. So I, I you know, it's, it's, I've come up here sporadically, but uh, I've never lived up here. So I guess um, then you, you can have your choice of uh, where you want this answer to be. But uh, as far as your favorite restaurant, where, where you would go if you've got uh, as much money as you want and uh, a free plane ticket anywhere, what's your favorite restaurant and uh, what, what meal do you get there? Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, favorite restaurant, what meal? Uh, I don't know. I like to eat <laughs> pretty much an easy keeper. Uh, geez, uh, the Wawona Hotel Yosemite, uh, just about, uh, of just about anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what kind of, what kind of food do they serve there? A little bit of everything, uh, you know, uh, steak, seafood, whatever. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm not picky that way. Yeah. And then you get the, do you get good views of Yosemite from there too? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's right, right in a area called Wawona. It's right next to a golf course. There's deer and bear and all kinds of stuff there. So it's, you can look outside anytime and see deer out in the field. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. All right, Mark, uh, we're going to finish it up here. Uh, any last words, anything you want to say to the, uh, apprentices or journeymen out there? Um, uh, that uh, hey, every teacher has a moral responsibility to the students to help them get through uh, their career safely and uh, to get them a good start in the trade. And that's that's the moral responsibility. And uh, I, I take it seriously. Uh, that's that's the main thing I want to get across. We got to get you know as a pre apprentices. I mostly I want to be teaching pre apprenticeship. So to get them a good start where they uh, can have a career without getting hurt and understand uh, when they walk out on the job site, they have a, a reasonable, they're reasonably prepared for that atmosphere. It's not a shock to them uh, that they're going to walk out and, and it's this way. I want them to be emotionally and physically prepared to walk out on that job site. That's the biggest thing. Perfect. All right, Mark, thank you so much. That's going to be it for this episode of the NWCI podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Addison. The opinions and information expressed in this podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of NWCI or its partners or affiliates.